0: I know it probably doesn't look like it, but last year I was the member of a of a gym. Last year, not this year. Last year, um, I wear multiple layers now to cover up the fact that this year I'm not a member of a gym. But uh, last year I was a member of a gym, and they were running a special with a session with a personal trainer. Uh, and so I decided, hey, I- I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I need somebody to help, kind of. Kick my tail, get me in gear. And so I went and met with this guy and and he did not have the same physique that I have. And uh, so we went and we we sat down at this table and we started talking and he took some measurements and he had me stand on a scale and he measured all these different places and he talked to me about my diet and what I ate and what I didn't eat. Now I would tell him, he would say, Now what do you eat for breakfast? And I'd tell him he'd go, ooh. He'd say, No, like what do you eat for snack? I'd be like, nothing. He was like, Oh, okay. What do you eat for lunch? I'd tell him he go." Wow. Okay. And then he'd say, "What do you eat for like an afternoon snack?" I'd be like, "Nothing." He'd be like, "What do you eat for dinner?" And i like, "I'd tell him." And would go, "Ooh." And he'd say, "Now, what time do you eat dinner?" And I'd tell him, and he'd go, "Wow. Okay." So there was a lot to work on there. And he'd say, "Now, now, when you work out, like, what do you do?" And I'd tell him, and he'd go, well, "Okay. Wow. All right." So then he took me back into this other little room, and he he had me like do this workout. It was like a 45-minute workout, right? And, and again, I may not look like it, but I'm pretty athletic. I've played sports most of my life. So I feel like even for a short amount of time, I can do pretty much any workout that somebody gives me. Like it may kill me. I may be dying at the end of it. I may pass out or throw up. But I'm going to be able to kind of do this workout because I'm, I'm pretty athletic. So I was able to do just about everything he said and the way that he described it, and So I was able to do that. And, and so we get to the end and we go back and we sit down and he asks me several more questions after he's seen it. He said, like, hey, you know, good job. You, you did a little better than I thought you would do. I didn't know how to take that. But he said, you did a little better than I, I thought you would do. And so he said, he said you know, here was the, here was the first question. And, and I didn't think much about it then, but I, I, now I think it was the most profound question of the entire day. He said, really, if you boil it down, what's your goal? Like, what do you want to accomplish? Like, why are we meeting together? And, and I, I got to thinking about it. And so I answered him. I said, Well, I, I guess I just, I just want to be in better shape. I am a shape, but I don't want to be this shape anymore. <laughs> and so he was like, Well, yeah, okay. So he walked me through three things that he said I needed to do to get in a better shape, not the shape that I currently. He, he said, Okay, here's three things that you need to do. And here's what he said He said, You need to change the way you eat. So I needed to change the way that I ate. I tend to eat three really large meals. That's all I eat all day long. My wife grazes like a bird. She just comes and picks up a little something, and she doesn't eat for like 30 minutes. Then she picks up a little something, doesn't eat for like 30 minutes, picks up a little something, doesn't eat for like 30 minutes. I sit down, and I eat for like 30 minutes. And then I don't eat for like five hours. And then I come back, and I eat for like 30 more minutes. And then I don't eat for like five or six hours. And then I just gorge myself like late in the evening, right before I lay down. And then I just go into a coma, you know, just with all this food. that's on. He said, you need to change the way that you eat. And he says, I need to be intentional about when I eat. I thought that was really important. He said, not only do you need to change the way you eat, you need to change when you eat, which I had never really thought about. So he talked about that. The second thing that he said is that I needed to change what I ate. Now, this is one that we all kind of know when it comes to fitness and health and eating. We, we know there's certain things we can't eat or shouldn't eat, and, and I tend to ignore most of those rules. And so, he said, you need to change what you eat. I, I eat or ate then, you know, not now because I'm so much healthier now. I ate a lot of high, what he called, this was a technical term, fatty foods, okay, I wasn't sure if he was calling me a fatty or if he was just saying my foods were. But he says, also, not only that, but you don't eat the right kinds of proteins. I didn't even know there was a right kind. You don't eat the right kinds of proteins. I, I felt like that I did. I mean, the bloomin' onion felt like the right kind of protein to me. He also said, you're eating a lot of of carbs and a lot of sugars, and we need to kind of cut those down. We don't want to eliminate them. This is not like, we want a sustainable diet long-term, so we don't want to cut all those things out. We want to find ways to balance what you're eating. So he said, I need to change what I ate. So not just change what I ate, but change the way I ate and when I ate it, and I changed what I ate. And then the third one was this. I needed to make some kind of exercise a priority. He says, it's not even as important what you do that you just do it. Like whatever your exercise, whatever your workout is, he said, you don't have to do the exact same workout we just did. It's probably better for you to mix it up a little bit. But he said, it doesn't really matter what you do. It's just important that you do something regularly. And here's how I walked away from that interaction with that personal trainer. I came to him looking for a result. I wanted to walk in and walk out And have a result. Like I wanted, not just in one session, I'm not delusional there. I understood that it was going to take at least three. But I wanted to be able to walk in with him and kind of spend some time with him and get something that would change the result. And what he was trying to do was change my resolve. What he was trying to do was not just change the result. He was trying to change my resolve. The word resolve means a firm determination to do something. He was trying to help me see that what I ate and when I ate it and how I ate and and that I did some type of exercise, those were just parts of the process that I actually wasn't just walking and saying, hey, I want to be healthier. I want to be in better shape. He was saying, I want to change your resolve so that you have a firm determination that when you sit down to the dinner table or when you're trying to prioritize your day, that you prioritize these things that are required, that are necessary for you to accomplish the result that you want to do. And so for me, when I started thinking through those things, I had focused all of my attention most of my life on the result. I just want to be healthier. I just want to be in better shape. And he said, no, 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 it's not really about that. That's the result of actually changing your resolve. And when I thought about that, I felt like that had repercussions way outside the bounds of just eating better and exercising more. And here's something else he said, and then we'll get away from my personal trainer. Here's what he said. I call him my personal trainer. We had a session, but he's my guy. Here's here's the other thing that he said that I thought was amazing. He said, the more general your goal, the harder it is to stay focused on it. The more specific your goal, the more laser focused you can be. The more general your goal, the harder it is to stay focused on. I want to be in better shape. I want to get healthier. Well, there's a lot of things that weigh into that kind of decision. But if I have a very specific goal, I'm going to eat less than... 1,800 calories a day. I can be laser focused on that. I want to work out five times a week. I can be laser focused focused on that type of goal. And the result of those types of decisions will actually bring about the result that I'm looking for, but it's my resolve that's changed, right? I'm determined on something specific that has changed. My resolve has changed, and the results will follow the change in my resolve. And I thought that was really, really interesting to me. He was coaching me through some things that I already knew. He wasn't telling me things I didn't know, but he was reminding me and maybe presenting it in a fresh way of some things that would help me to change my resolve. I've had coaches all of my life. Like I said, I've played sports since I was like three and a half years old in some form. I played baseball most of my life. I played some other sports in different venues there. I I love sports, and I've had coaches. And coaches would walk up beside me and help critique what I was doing, uh, sometimes in really mild-mannered ways and sometimes with a little bit of aggression there. They would make sure that I knew that what I was doing was not what I needed to be doing. And if you look at even, and I'm staying in the sports analogy just for a moment, it may not connect with everybody, but if you look at even the greatest athletes in the world, you think about who those people are, you know, whether it's in the NBA, who has an all-star game today, you look at, you know, LeBron James and Kobe Bryant and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, those guys are some of the greatest basketball players in the world. And what do they have? They have a coach. That coach is helping to make sure that what they can do individually is, co- is accomplishing for their team what they need to accomplish for their team. You look at, you know, some of the most amazing golfers in the world. They, these are the guys that can, you know, they can aim for something and swing a golf club and hit a little golf ball, and they can put it just about right where they want it every single time. I wish I could do that. What do they have? Every great golfer in the world has a coach. We think about some of the great football players, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and all these, you know, Russell uh, Wilson, those guys, they have a coach, Right? And it's not just in the sports world. There are business coaches. There are church consultants and coaches. There are family coaches. Now, they may be called something else. It may be therapists. It may be trainers. It may be coaches. It may be consultants. But what these people do is they walk alongside of us and they help say to us in words that we may not have heard before or in words that we've heard before but are now different or in a different way, in a different context. They help us to see what we need to see to do better at accomplishing the result we want by changing our resolve. That's really what a coach does i have a coach right now i have somebody that's kind of a mentor in my life if you want to call them that and it's somebody that coaches me through the the situations of my life whether it's personal or in the church or family or those kind of things i, I say hey I, i'm thinking about this and they help to sharpen that idea and make it better i think coaches trainers mentors consultants whatever you want a therapist counselors those kind of people have an ability to help us to shape the conversations that we're having with ourselves so that it helps us to accomplish the results that we want to accomplish. And so I get that in the church world, and maybe you don't, you've don't, you never thought this, you've never heard this argument, but there's kind of a stigma related to pastors and preachers positioning themselves in any way that might be like a coach, like a life coach. And if you've attended here for any length of time, you know that that's never the way that I present myself. I believe my role is to just take God's word and help us as a community to dissect that and figure out what God may be saying to us individually. But today, for for this one day, I want to play the role of life coach for you. From God's word, this is not going to be my opinion. We're going to take God's word and kind of unpack it in a way that I think will help us. We started a series last week called Reaction. We looked at this play on words that reaction might... Uh, might be it it 's twofold one, it, the little r e and then the word action means in regards to or concerning actions. we 're talking about getting into action, doing something, but then we also see the word reaction there, and we 're talking about in response to something, how do we respond to the things that we've experienced? And so last week, we talked about the church, and today we 're talking about our lives individually, and I just want to serve maybe as a life coach for a few minutes in helping us all try to accomplish what it might be that we personally want to accomplish, what the results that we want our life to, to kind of end up like at the end of it all. And so here's the way that I would start that conversation with you. Same way my personal trainer started it with me. What's your goal? What's your goal? Have you thought about it? I mean, are you kind of in the hustle and bustle of life? You're in the rhythm of every day. And so you're just responding to a lot of things like, you know, you wake up and the first thing you do, and I'm just as guilty of this, you check the email and you see who sent the email that you now have to respond to even before you get to the office. Somebody once told me that email is just someone else's to-do list that they want you to do. Right? So you're automatically from moment one responding to somebody else's to-do list. So is that how we just kind of live our day? We're just responding. We're just reacting to something. Rather than being intentional, changing our resolve, having a determination to accomplish something specific, what's your goal in life? Maybe it's to be successful. That's kind of general. It's kind of broad. But in your field of endeavor, maybe you just want to be successful. You just want people at some point to look at you and go, yeah, that guy's accomplished, you know, what I think you would accomplish in our field. That, that lady, she's kind of, you know, stepped up the corporate ladder there. Maybe you want to be wealthy. Maybe you want to acquire wealth or resource. You want to have the things that maybe you didn't have growing up so that your kids or your grandkids or you and your spouse, you get to have some of those things so you want to acquire some type of wealth. Maybe it's a little more emotional than that. Maybe your goal in life is just to live at peace, to have hope, to have joy. Well, Let's take it one step further than that. What is your goal In a relationship with God, if you have a relationship with God, what is your goal in that? I think these two things are overlapping. I don't think they have to be the exact same thing. I think they're overlapping. But what's your goal in a relationship with God? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, is it just like I prayed a prayer and I said, God, please forgive me of my sins. I've sinned and I've done wrong. And so please forgive me. Please help me. Is the goal in praying that prayer and is the goal in a relationship with God just that you get to heaven and you don't go to hell? I mean, I know when I was growing up in in the church, I mean, that was kind of a major piece of this. It's that, you know, heaven's out there for some and hell's out there for the others. And so I want to make sure I'm on the right track. Like when I get on, you know, you see like the New York subway map. I want to make sure I get on the right train. I want my train to end up where I want it to go. I want to go to heaven and I don't want to go to hell. So is that the goal? Is it a part of the goal? Is it all of the goal? If it is, then am I just supposed to kind of hang out until I go to heaven? Or is there a goal? Is there something that God wants to accomplish in and through me while I'm here on earth? Is there a purpose for my life while I'm on earth that's a part of the goal that God might have for me in my relationship with him while I'm here but before I get to heaven? What is your goal? The Apostle Paul wrote this in the book of Romans chapter 8. If you've got a Bible, you can flip there with me. If you've got a device of some kind, you can follow along most of these scriptures today will be up on the screen if you don't have that, and I'll try to stay out of the way so you can read it. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says this, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, a couple words here that may scare you or may give you questions. This idea of foreknew, he foreknew something, and predestined. This is a word we hear a lot in more theological debates, and we talk about what God knows and when he knows it, how he knows it. We talk about being predestined means that maybe humans don't have a choice. Don't get hung up in that today. We can talk about that at a later point, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat it or overlook it here. But the focus of this is that God knows something about your future. And the rule or or, or the the kind of the end result of what he knows about your future is that the end result is that he wants you at the end of it all to look more like his son. That's all you have to worry about for this moment about this passage, that God in his sovereignty, in in, in him kind of in his all-knowing ability, what he chooses to know and what he chooses not to know, God desires that you and I would be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And that idea of conforming means that he is kind of think through the, the image, the, the image in your head of, you know, a potter, and he's taking the clay, and he's molding it and forming it. He is taking something that doesn't look like something, and he's making it into something that does look like something. He's taking the square of clay, he's taking the ball of clay, and he's molding it and forming it into something that looks like something. And that looking like something is that it looks like his son, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus came to the earth and he said, I am the son of God. He called that out himself. It was the fulfillment of prophecies of the Old Testament. And so now the apostle Paul is writing in the book of Romans and he's saying, listen, the ultimate plan of God for you, the goal, if you will, is that God wants you to end up looking like Jesus Christ. Now, when I walked into the gym that day, right, I went more than that day, but my consultation with the trainer that day, I walked in, and I saw this guy, and I started talking to this guy, and I kind of felt like, you know, if I do this for like six weeks, I think I'll look like that guy. I mean, he was, you know, and I was like, I'm not that far off, and so that's what I'll look like. And so my goal when I walked in was like, I want to work out and eat kind of. So I asked him, I was like, what do you eat for breakfast? He was like, well, he was like, it's probably not for everybody. I'm like, no, 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 no. What do you eat for breakfast? He was like, "Well, I eat a bowl of rice." He had already lost me there. That sounded like a lunch or dinner thing. But he was like, "I eat a bowl of rice, just a little bit." And he said, "I have some eggs." And he was like, "I eat some type of fish." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to hang with my pop tarts. I mean, I'm not I'm not really feeling that before noon-ish, right?" <laughs> that sounds like something. "Hey, what do you guys want for lunch? Rice and fish." Uh, that sounds like something I can do. No, we're going to hang with Pop-Tarts. But I'm thinking, okay, if I eat what he eats and I work out like he works out, I think I'll look like that. And so really, as I, kind of, as I look at this idea that God has a goal in mind for you and I, and it's that we are conformed into the image of his son, Jesus, then I think that there's some important things that we look at in the life of Jesus that maybe help us look like him. There's some things that if I'm going to end up looking like Jesus, if I'm going to be conformed into that image, then I have to maybe do some of the things that he was doing in order for me to get to that result. And so there's just a few things, and these kind of overlap with what my trainer taught me, but I think we see them in the life of Jesus. But the first of these is this. It matters what, when, and how you feed yourself. I mean, that's what my trainer told me, right? He said, it matters what you eat, and it matters when you eat, and it matters how you eat. And so I think the same here is true. If I'm supposed to be conformed into the image of the Son of God then I need to follow the pattern of what, when, how he ate, how he took in, how he was replenished or nourished kind of himself. And even outside of himself, looking at the story of Jesus, even outside of that, I just see that he was walking into the synagogues and he was reciting scripture. So I don't have those moments where he was. I see him sitting down reading the scroll. I don't have him sitting in the synagogue necessarily listening to the word of God that in that moment would have just been the Old Testament because the New Testament was really written about him and the things that were to come after him. So that Old Testament writing, I don't see a lot of instances where he's sitting and reading that or having that read to him, but we see him quoting that. And so we know for him to be able to quote it, he had at some point taken that into himself. And this is what David said in Psalm 119 about that process. 119 verse 9 says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. The Bible is God's word. The Bible is God's word. We believe that God ordained his word, the scriptures, through the works and through the hand of of men... To put this together, there were about 40 authors, 66 books put together over a length of time that you and I can now hold in our hand either in a printed version or maybe even an electronic version and we can read the words of God. And what David tells us here and what we see Jesus reciting scripture is that we are to take God's word into our lives. We're supposed to read God's word. It's not enough just to sit here on Sundays And let me just kind of say, hey, here's three or four or five scriptures that are kind of in tune with the topic we're talking about today. You personally, I personally, away from this moment need to be reading and memorizing and reciting the words of God. I I I tweeted this recently, but I I ran across this where a guy said that scripture memorization just gives the Holy Spirit a vocabulary in your life. Now, I realize that you think scripture memorization, if you grew up in the church like me, you think it's just something to get Bible bucks in children's church. But this is something far greater. It's saying, I want to take God's word and try to read it and memorize it and get it into my life and get it into my head and get it into my heart so that when I'm facing things, I can immediately recall those words of God that are applicable to this situation. And I know that's a daunting task because you go, man, the Bible's huge. Where do I even start? Anywhere. Just start somewhere. Just start reading the words that are in red in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see the words that Jesus spoke and find some of those words. Go and read some of the Proverbs or some of the Psalms that are a little more bite-sized chunks that you can take and memorize and read through them however you choose to do that. And just take those words into your life because David says it's important for you to do that because that's what actually helps keep you from sinning. Now, maybe that's your goal. Maybe your goal in life is I just want to sin less. That's a pretty good goal. I don't think that's a bad goal. But David says here, if you want to really accomplish that goal, it's bigger than just trying to be better in the moment. It's about preparing for the moment by putting God's word in your heart, giving the Holy Spirit a vocabulary when you get into a moment where it needs the words of God to speak to a situation. But if you're anything like me, Reading the Bible sometimes is hard. I mean, sometimes I don't know what to read, and sometimes I don't know, I don't want to read, I'll admit that, and sometimes when I read something, I don't know what I just read. I I don't understand what I just read, and so sometimes when I'm reading, I'm trying to figure out what it is that I just read that God might be saying to me. What does that mean? How do I apply that to my life? I ran across a resource really recent uh, that, that revolutionized the way that I'm reading the Bible. I actually referenced a book the first Sunday of January called The Divine Mentor. It's by Pastor Wayne Cordero. He's a pastor out in Hawaii. The Divine Mentor is the book if you want to pick it up. It's a great book. It won't take you a long time to read it. He talks about the idea that Scripture can be seen as people, as characters in God's Word, as as individuals, and how those people can actually mentor you. They can serve as your coach. Because they're walking through situations in those stories that you're walking through now. And you can see how did God interact with them? How did they respond? What things did they do well? What things did they not do well? And so he says you can use those people as your mentors. But in that book, he talks about something called SOAPing. SOAP, S-O-A-P. And here's what it stands for. It stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And here's what this looks like. You just read through any passage of scripture that you want to read through. Maybe you have a Bible reading program already. There's something that you're reading through. Maybe you have a devotional guide. Whatever it is that you're choosing to do, if you don't have anything, you don't even know where to start, I would encourage you to go to Bible.com. Bible.com. It sounds simple. What it is, this is a resource created by a church out in Oklahoma. And they have, excuse me, they have reading plans on all kinds of different things. It's the whole Bible, It's parts of the Bible. It's topics. So you can read in the month of February. You can read about love. You can read about marriage. You can read about dating. You can read through the whole Bible by reading, you know, a chapter or two or a couple of chapters a day. You can read part of the Bible. You can read all the New Testament. You can just read the Gospels. You can have a 30-day reading plan or a seven-day reading plan. You can read about money and managing money. You can read about parenting. You can read about all kinds of different things. They have tons and tons of it. Bible.com. You can start there. But you read anything you want to do and you can still soap. And here's what you do. You read any passage, maybe it's a chapter, maybe it's three or four verses, and then you take out a journal. It can be on your computer. For me, what's worked best is to take a pen and this journal, this little moleskin journal you can pick up just, uh, just about anywhere, and you then take in that journal and write it out as S-O-A-P. So what I've got here is I've got S-O-A-P, and what you do is you just write out one verse that you read. Something that spoke to you. So when I'm reading through Bible.com, when I'm reading that app on my phone, because they have apps as well, I'm reading that app. If I come across a scripture, one individual scripture in that whole reading of the day that I really like or really spoke to me or I've got questions about it, I just highlight it. I click on it and make it yellow so that I can come back to it later. And then I write it down. So let me just read to you something that I wrote. So the other day on February the 9th, I wrote out 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6, and this is what it says. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforts us by the coming of Titus. Titus is a, another guy. This is uh, Paul writing here to the church in Corinth, and he's talking to them about Titus, this brother that came to them, and he says, listen, he com- God comforts people. He comforted us when you sent Titus to us. And that's all I wrote. I just wrote that part, by the coming of Titus. So then I make an observation about something that I just wrote. I just read. And my observation that day was God brings others into our lives to bring comfort when we need flesh and blood there to do so. It's amazing to have the presence of God and, and when, we're, when we need comfort and when we need something. But sometimes, don't you just need some flesh and blood there to do it? You just need somebody that will hug you, somebody that will cry with you, somebody that will hold your hand, somebody that will empathize with you, that will listen to you. And so what my observation about that passage was is that God brings others into our lives to bring comfort when we need flesh and blood there to do so. And then you write out an application. And so the scripture was here, the observation was here, and now my application's the largest part of the text. It's not on every page, but on this page it was, and here's what I wrote. I have to be aware of the people that God is bringing into my life during seasons where comfort is needed. Conversely, for me, God may also be placing me into the lives of others because of what they're going through in that moment. The principle is so true that God also brings people into our lives for encouragement, correction, fellowship, and celebration. That was my application. When I read that, I thought, man, they needed comfort, and the church sent Titus to them, and God used Titus to bring encouragement and comfort to them. My observation was that God does that, and my application is that I want to be aware when God is sending people into my life and what the role is that they play in my life. And I also want to be aware when God's putting me into people's lives so that I can know how I might best serve them. And then you write out a prayer. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And here was my really short prayer that day. Lord, help surround me with the people you know I'll need when I'll need them. And help me be that person for others. Amen. It took me about four or five minutes just to do all of this. I just wrote it out. I have terrible handwriting. You probably couldn't read it if you stood here. But man, I just—I was reading that, that verse. I read a whole chapter there. I read all of 2 Corinthians 7, but I just wrote that one verse, and then I made an observation about it, then I made an application, then I made a prayer. I'm gonna do one more for you. This is what I wrote on February the 11th, just two days after that. This is what I wrote. Psalm 106, verses 12 and 13. I chose to do two verses that day. Then they believed his words, and they sang his praise, But they soon forgot his works, and they did not wait for his counsel. And this is what I observed about that passage. Truly believing brings praising. Forgetting brings avoidance, and it causes me to rush. And here was my application for me. This pendulum swings, uh, the the pendulum swing of believing, not just in in my mind, but through my actions always pushes me towards praise. When I'm truly believing God, not just in my head, but in my actions, and my life bears out that I'm believing in God, it always results in praise for me. It always results in me praying my worship, like we talked about early, lifting up, declaring the goodness of God, because I'm more aware of the things that I need to be praising God about. But this is what I wrote. But when I forget, not just in my mind, but in my actions, I get in a hurry, I begin reacting to everything instead of intentionally praising God and I avoid the counsel of the Lord. I avoid the wisdom of God either through him personally, through his word or through other people. I avoid that. That's for me personally and here's the prayer that I wrote out. Lord, help me believe both in word and deed and praise you with my life and let me not neglect your counsel out of my hurried life that causes me to forget who you are and what you've done for me. Amen. That's what I wrote. Now, here's what we're going to give you today when you leave. We're going to give you a soap guide. And on the inside cover, it has some information about what soaping is and how you might be able to utilize it. You can take this and just make it a bookmark in your Bible or put it somewhere where you won't forget it. There are two different things that you can read. In the inside, it's soap by theme, and it starts tomorrow, February 16th, Proverbs 12, 18. It has one verse related to a theme. So in the month of February, you have some verses here on marriage, And then some verses on communication. Some of you might just want to start there, okay? Then salvation. Then in March, it starts talking about sin and grace and temptation and encouragement and relationships and trust. And so it walks all the way through April the 13th. So for about two months or so, uh, we've got some some guides there if you want to read by theme. Or you can flip it over on the back and you can read it by book. And for the most part, this is one chapter a day. And so tomorrow's chapter would be James chapter 4. And you just kind of walk through all the way to April 13th, and you're reading different chapters each day. And out of that chapter, you just select one verse that you want to soap about. Maybe it's a journal. Maybe you could do it on your computer. Maybe you type it out in your phone or your tablet, whatever you choose to do. I know that sounds difficult for some of you, but I'm telling you, it takes about three or four extra minutes a day. But it causes you to engage the word of God. I know some of our staff has really started doing this. I'm telling you, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor, it has revolutionized the way that I interact with God's word. And so I encourage you to do that. So the first thing that we said is it matters what, when, and how you feed yourself. So you just need to eat better. You just need to take God's word. It's been called the daily bread. It's been called the bread of life. That's great for me because I love bread, right? So what you gotta do is you just gotta take that bread and you just gotta put it into your soul. The second thing you need to do is this. You need to work out your faith. You need to work out your faith. My trainer told me that I just needed to exercise some. It didn't really matter what I did. It was just that I did it, and I did it regularly. Here's here's a a little idea related to this. You need to work out your faith. If you never exercise, then you get fat on all you're eating, or you develop atrophy. Maybe you're familiar with this term. I remember when my mom was sick, right before she passed away, she wasn't able to kind of get up out of the bed, and so she was just laying a lot, and her muscles began to deteriorate. Her muscles began to really kind of turn on themselves, and so since she wasn't, you know, either working out or moving or exercising, those muscles began to look for something that they could do, and her body, which was looking to kind of find nutrients, began to turn on itself and turn on the muscles and take the muscles and let it be the nutrients. And that atrophy could be defi- defined as gradual decline in effectiveness or vigor due to underuse or neglect. This idea that there's some, your body just kind of turns on itself. Now, as a Christian, there are two ways this could just turn out. One, if you're reading God's Word, but you're not doing anything with it, you're just getting fat. And that's not what God intended. You're just taking in a bunch of good stuff and you're not actually taking that and applying it anywhere. You're not exercising your faith. And that can look a lot of different ways. Or you're just not doing anything. And here's what's eventually going to happen related to your soul and your spirit. And maybe you've experienced this at some point in your life. Your body kind of turns on itself. Your spiritual soul, it's longing for nutrients. It's desiring something. And so you begin to see yourself trying to generate Strength to overcome the situations that you're in and you just can't find it. You're looking for the encouragement. You're looking for the hope. You're looking for the peace and you just can't find it because those muscles don't exist. They have deteriorated because you've not exercised them. You've not been feeding yourself nor exercising your faith in any way that would help you accomplish what you need to accomplish. And here's what James says in James chapter two, beginning in 14, he says this, "'What good is it, my brothers, "'if someone says he has faith "'but does not have works?' Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. If you don't put your faith into action, it does you no good. James even says your faith is dead. It's not enough just to pray a prayer. It's not enough just to attend church. It's not enough just to say, I am a believer. You've got to do something with it. And there's, again, a theological debate and discussion about the role of works and the role of faith. And here's what I would say to you as concisely as I know how to write it down. Works don't save you. Works show you've been saved. Works don't save you. Works show you've been saved. It says, I have a faith. And that faith is not just for me. That faith extends to other people, so I have to take that and apply it to my life in ways that contribute to the larger body of Christ. How are you exercising your faith? How are you contributing to the body? How are you as a part of this church doing something that gets outside of yourself? Maybe it's through serving. This is not an advertisement. You just you gotta answer this in your, in your own heart. Maybe it's through serving through the local church. Maybe, maybe it's kind of setting up and tearing down for a few more weeks that we're going to have to do. Or maybe it's getting on a guest services team or in a student ministry area. Maybe it's serving in the children's area. Maybe it's through that. Maybe, maybe you're contributing by being a part of a life group. You're regularly exercising your faith by joining together with a community, a group of other people, and really wrestling with a topic, marriage and God's word and the Bible and finances and whatever. And you're just wrestling with that. And you're working together to try to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in you but here's my here's my thing for you it matters take it in eat good things read god's word take all, but don't just get fat on it don't don't just get fat on the good things of god's word do something with it exercise it become this kind of lean muscular soul of god's you know nutrients coming into you and then you exercising those things by helping to give it away and working out your faith but here's the promise for all of us today Here's the promise, again found in Romans chapter 8. Paul is helping us to understand that as we try to do this, maybe you're just looking for a result. Maybe you're just looking for, here's the end result. I just want to be a better Christian. I just want to be a better person. I just want to, you know, not make the same sinful mistakes that I've been making. Whatever your goal that you said was, remember what he said our goal should be, that God has a goal in mind for you, and it's to be conformed into the image of his son. And the image of his son looks like this. Jesus, he had God's word in his life and in his heart. He was quoting and he was walking around quoting scripture and he was walking into the synagogues and helping people to see what the scripture said about him and about the situations of life. And he was exercising his faith. He was walking around performing miracles and teaching and engaging people and serving people. But I know sometimes when we read that and we say, hey, but that was Jesus. I'm not Jesus, right? I don't look anything like that. Well, guess what? I didn't look a thing like my trainer the day I walked in, and I still don't. You know why? Because I haven't changed what I ate, when I ate it, or how I ate it, and I'm not exercising regularly. I cannot just hope that the results will show up. I've got to start working on it. And so I could start today. I could start yesterday. I could start tomorrow. But I would say this. Until you start you cannot expect the results to come. And you know why the results haven't come? Because my resolve hasn't changed. Hasn't changed at all. I still love chips and salsa and fajitas, right? I mean, that's, I just love them. And I got a lot going on, and so I kind of give myself an excuse. It's like, well, when would I work out? I mean, you know, I don't want to neglect family time, and, you know, there's all kinds of things. I'm coaching, I'm doing this. I mean, my resolve hasn't changed. I would prioritize it if I was really laser focused on accomplishing that result. And I'm not. And I admit that and I repent of that. It's lazy, it's bad. And so, you know what? Today, I don't look any more like my trainer than I did that day. And here's the reality. A year from now, you could walk into this room. It wouldn't be this room. You could walk into the auditorium at 110 Bluffs Parkway, hello. You could walk in there and you could look no more like Jesus than you do today. Because you haven't changed what you're putting into you and you haven't changed the way you're working it out. I hope that's not the case. I hope that six months from now or a year from now or three years from now, you have been conformed more and more into the image of the Son of God because you are taking in the Word of God regularly. And you're choosing to do it in a time that makes sense, right? I mean, like, It probably doesn't make sense for me to do devotions and do this soaping like at 11:30 at night, because I would be writing all kinds of crazy stuff in here. My brain doesn't function well then. But if I if I do it in the mornings, man, I think clearly. I wake up and I go, yeah. What are you saying to me, God? What is it? What is it that you're trying to get into my heart and into my soul today? But for my wife, exact opposite. If she wrote it in the morning, I would read it to you because it'd be hilarious. But she catches her second wind about 10 o'clock. And she just kind of ramps up. It's like, hey, we're going to redecorate the house between 10 and 2 a.m. I'm like, all right, tell me when it's done. I mean, like, we're just on total. So you've got to choose when it makes sense for you. You've got to decide when you need to eat. When do I need to spend time with God? And when I'm spending time with him, how am I eating? And what am I eating? And then how am I working that out? How am I exercising? That faith? How am I putting that into action? I don't want to just get lazy and fat. And I don't want to develop atrophy where, when I need the strength to do something, the strength's not there because I have neglected to work out the muscles. That's what I'm saying. I, I believe if your goal is to be what God wants you to be, it's to be conformed to the image of His Son Jesus. And I would hate for you to have to stand up a year from now like I did today and say, hey, a year ago I heard what I needed to do and I didn't do it. Because I wanted the result, but I didn't have the resolve. My prayer today for you is that you get the resolve. That you desire to change. That you desire to grow. It's not about a one-time prayer. It's about a lifestyle relationship with Jesus so that the goal is accomplished in your life, that you are more and more conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And this is the promise that he makes us. Romans 8, 38 and 39, he says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You are not alone in your endeavor to look more like him. He says, hey, I'm with you in this. I'm with you in this. My trainer said, hey, here's what you need to do. And he left me and I quit. But God says, no, no, no. I want you to look like that. And I'm gonna walk with you. I'm going with you to accomplish that. I wanna help you. And so my prayer for me is, God, like when I'm not taking in the right stuff, Challenge my heart, grab my heart, quicken my heart, convict me. You're sitting right beside me. Just just change me, help me, mold me, shape me. When I'm not exercising, when I'm not putting it into action, quicken my heart, change me, call me, compel me, pull me. Because he says, let's not, I'm right there. What if it's more important what you're becoming than what you're doing? What if it's more important what you're becoming than what you're doing? I mean, I've talked a lot today about the doing, and maybe it doesn't look exactly like that for you. Maybe there's a whole other way that God's working in your heart. And so the doing is less important than the becoming. But The question is, is what I'm doing helping me to become what God wants me to become? If it's not, I've got to change it. So here's the three questions i leave you with today, and then we're going to pray. What's your goal? Write it out. Declare it decide god this is what i want to do in you this is what i want to be this is what i want to accomplish what is your goal the second thing is this what are you taking in what's the biggest influence in your life who speaks into you more than anybody else what are you reading watching listening to and is that helping you to become what god is wanting you to become because that's what you're doing what are you taking in And The third one is this, how are you working it out? How are you taking what you're taking in and putting it into action? Where is that being demonstrated in and through your life? Let's pray. God, I thank you today that you gave us the goal. You helped us to see exactly what it was that you wanted us to be and to do. You said you wanted us to look more like your son when it was all said and done. So God, I thank you for that. And God, you also told us a few verses later that you weren't gonna leave us alone in that endeavor. You were gonna walk with us and be with us and that the love of God would be with us every step of the way. And so God, I thank you for that too. And God, I pray that you would help us to clearly articulate our goal. What do do we wanna be? Is it the same thing you want us to to be? God, if it's not, help take those things out of us that don't reflect you and don't reflect your son. What are we taking in? God, help us to know what we're listening to, watching, putting in our heart, putting into our lives. God, let us evaluate those things that are coming into us, getting inside of us. Let us replace more and more of that with you and your word in our lives. And how are we working it out? Let us exercise our faith so that we don't get fat or we don't get weak. Let us get strong in you develop muscles in you and in our faith because we are working out what we're taking in. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.